Hi, this is the Seattle Mama Doc Podcast. I'm Dr. Wendy Sue Swanson. We all work so hard to perfect how we pull off parenthood, and clearly we often may not feel good enough. I am here today to help you face these challenges head on. I'm here with Dr. Shaheen. Yes. Woohoo! I've been pronouncing it poorly, and I feel really lame about that. Um, she is awesome. We have just been talking about secondary infertility, the challenge of trying to have a second or third child after you've been able to have a first. And we're um, here because she is a board-certified reproductive endocrinologist, which means she trained it as an OBGYN, did residency, and then did a fellowship to learn more about how to help and support families really looking um, to conceive or to have children when they're having a challenge. She's on clinical faculty here at the University of Washington. Washington, but she's also the director of the Center for Recurrent Pregnancy Loss here at Pacific Northwest Fertility. She's a mom of two, um, and she's deeply connected to sharing messages in the public. She's written two books, her second called Not Broken, with really a gorgeous cover. Mm. I'll say again, it's so beautiful. Thank you. Of the Jap- well, I want you to actually explain the imagery from that, sure. and that whole, with the cup and then the putting it back together. Okay, and an approachable um, guide to miscarriage and recurrent pregnancy loss. And so we're just going to, off the cuff, kind of talk a little bit about that expertise. And we were talking a little bit of our own personal experiences off the mic with um, pregnancy loss and how horrific it can be for some and how lightweight it can maybe be sometimes for other people, but that um, it's something in our culture we're still having a really hard time, I think, supporting each other with. Absolutely. Okay. So preach it. What do we tell us what we need to know in some ways about like even some statistics maybe. Let's start sure. with that. Like yeah. how often is pregnancy lost once you've conceived? Yeah. So um, it's one in four pregnancies is uh, the best statistic. And it's overarching, right? Like all comers. All pregnancies, one in four will stop. And if you include, um, you know, our home pregnancy tests are so sensitive. If you include a positive home pregnancy, it's probably a lot higher than that. Uh Um, That's because sperm meets an egg. They conceive a little bit of, you know, beta GG gets circulated, the cells aren't working quite right, and then it ends because it doesn't make, it's not ready to be a baby, right? It just doesn't work. So one in four, maybe even greater. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then tell us a little bit with, is there a relationship to, I mean, I know there's a relationship to age, but give us some of those stats just to have people understand the commonality of loss. Yeah. When we're in our 20s, about 15% of pregnancies that uh, make it to the first trimester will stop developing and result in a miscarriage. And that only goes up with age. So when women are in their mid-30s, it's um, closer to 30%. And by the time we're 40, 50% of pregnancies will end in miscarriage. Yeah, so really common, and yet it doesn't feel common when it's happening. Um, and it's extremely un- unsavory, I'd say, <laughs> um, to be hopeful and excited about new life and to kind of lose the opportunity when it feels out of control. Um, well, let's talk about the cover of your book, and then I want to talk about your book. So um, tell us about the cover. Absolutely. So it's a um, picture um, of a bowl. It's a painting by my neighbor, Um, Yeah, this is a a labor of love, this book. Uh. (laughs) And it's a picture of a bowl um, with um, gold cracks in it. And it's representing a Japanese art form called kinsage. And it is um, done in Japan where when ceramics are broken, they would put it back together with gold lame and basically say that the bowl is better. It's more beautiful. It's a better form of art because of the cracks and the challenges that the bowl has been through. And so um, this was done, you know, as function, Mm. you know, to 
yeah. usable again, but now it's actually its own art form. And um, treating women for miscarriage and recurrent miscarriage for years and years, women come to me feeling broken. Uh-huh. And um, I was in Japan uh, a couple of years ago, learned about this art form, and at the same time learned about a wonderful Japanese um, cultural tradition that when someone loses a child, whether it's a miscarriage or a child that's been born, they actually um, buy and share with each other these little jitsu statues. Um, and they're all over Japan, and they're in mm. the cemeteries. There's these little tiny Buddhas that are there to look over the mm-hmm. souls of the children. And the women knit these little red hats for them. And so it just sort of, um, I wanted to write a book. I was really focused on miscarriage in my my practice and just being there, seeing this art form, seeing this, you know, wonderful way of celebrating, um, challenging, challenging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and it all came together. So, so nice. So we go. what are some of the big takeaways? Like what should women do? Let's start with like, what should you do if you have a miscarriage? Like, is there a kind of certain protocol that you recommend just at baseline? And then I'm sure there's some nuance to it, but sure. Yeah. So, well, when I'm teaching others how to care for women with miscarriage, the first thing I tell them to say is to the woman, it's not your fault. Mm-hmm. So I wish women could learn to say that to themselves. It's not my fault. Uh-huh. You know, the most common cause of miscarriage is a chromosomal issue. It's something at the cellular level. It's something that happened when the egg and sperm came together. It's something that is out of our control. Mm-hmm. And in a way, her body is working. It's getting that message. It wouldn't be healthy. It doesn't you know, your heart is still breaking, but hopefully your head can rationalize that a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, people come wanting answers. They want to know, do I have an immune issue? Is there an anatomic issue? You know, Dr. Shaheen, find the reason I am having miscarriages. And we do an evaluation, but 50% of the time, you know, we don't find something mm-hmm. in the people that are getting pregnant because it's in that pregnancy. Yeah. And so after after one miscarriage, after like when is it that someone should seek some additional support? That's great. Yeah. So um, we, when we were going through uh, training, it was very much like three clinical pregnancies, like not just a positive pregnancy test, but a pregnancy that gets to the point that later in the first trimester you can see a little something on ultrasound or uh. test the tissue. Yeah. Um, and it was always three. You had to have three clinical <sighs> miscarriages before you know you could even see a doctor or do any testing. And really, in 20. 12, ASRM, the American Society of Reproductive Medicine, came out and said, you know what? You have the same chance of miscarriage after two as three. So it is clinically justifiable to start doing the evaluation after two. And they recommend it. And what's that? What does an evaluation consist of? Like, sure. So if you've had two clinical miscarriages, what do you what do you expect to do? Yeah, an anatomic evaluation. You know, is there something in the uterus that's affecting implantation, uh-huh. um, like a fibroid or um, some anatomical issue? Um, and then the the rest is really blood tests. So looking for um, genetic issues with both of the people that are getting pregnant, the female and male, looking uh-huh. for something called a balanced translocation which is just a rearrangement of chromosomes in one of the parents that doesn't affect their health at all, but it just makes it more common for them to have a miscarriage. Um, and then looking for the one immune issue that can cause um, miscarriages, it's called antiphospholipid uh, syndrome. We're looking for certain antibodies. We look for hormonal issues like thyroid disease, prolactin issues, um, screen for diabetes, um, 
that's pretty much. And do thank you. And yeah. so in those blood tests, and mm-hmm. sometimes in an anatomy scan, like pelvic ultrasound, it sounds like to look at the anatomy of the uterus for the woman. Um, are those typically done by a routine OBGYN, or do you feel like there's something that after two miscarriages or more or pregnancy loss, um, you should see a fertility specialist? What's the view in the, sure. in the world out there? I think that a lot of the time that people could stay with their primary care providers, as long as the primary care provider OBGYN is doing the tests. That's one of the reasons I wrote my book is to sort of say, hey, this is you know, what ASRM recommends, and this is the kind of the testing we should do. Yeah. Um, and, of course, if there's something that's found that should be acted upon, maybe they should be referred at that point. Yeah. But, um, but I do see a lot of patients that haven't had an evaluation with anyone else, and, of, uh-huh. of course, that's um, fine, uh, too. Fine, too. Yeah. They're just aren't very many of me. No, that's what I mean. I know. You're kind of a <laughs> sacred resource. That's why I was saying I, was, I just wanted people to understand that I thought that first workup often is done with a, your routine OBGYN. And if thereafter it gets complicated or someone's looking for more information mm-hmm. or there's there's an abnormality found, then they'd find someone mm-hmm. like you. So I think I just want people to feel kind of emancipated to see their family practitioner if that's who's been running and taking mm-hmm. care of their OB or see an OBGYN at first blush if there's concern about recurrent mm-hmm. loss. So, well, can we talk a little bit about the, like, what are your takeaways and support that are in your book, but really from your experience around the psychosocial support? Um, What is the, what in your mind, I mean, suffering is so individual, Mm -hmm. but what are some of the themes that you've seen throughout your practice and ways that you think women can be supported with recurrent loss? Absolutely. Um, You know, the hard thing about miscarriages, they do often so happen early before you've shared with uh-huh. people. So you are going through this loss and this suffering right before you're ready to share with the world that you're yeah. pregnant. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a, um, a a little bit of a society thing and a little bit that, you know, our medical field is sort of ingrained. Like, don't tell anybody until after the first trimester, just in case. Yeah. Well, just in case of what? Just in case I have a miscarriage and I need support from my friends and family. Right. Yeah. Yeah. After. Um, right. Because it's yeah. too shameful and it's too awful yeah. to share. So I think we're isolating women kind of right yeah. when they need it most. Um, and of course, it's personal and maybe you don't want to share it on social media yeah. until you're ready. But sharing with a few people so that if, if something does happen, they kind of do know that mm-hmm. where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, realizing that you're not alone. I think because we're not sharing that we're having miscarriages, that people feel like it's just them. But if people share that they've had a miscarriage, they'll sometimes find that their own mother had miscarriages mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. people in their family or very close friends. I mean, one in four pregnancies. It's yeah. more common that women will have had a miscarriage than not. Yeah, throughout their years of their life when they're yeah. Yeah, able to yeah. have children. Yeah, in the childbearing years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um, what happens when you share and you're not getting enough support? I mean, what are the signs if someone's listening and they're having a hard time with mm-hmm. recurrent pregnancy loss or miscarriage, what's what are the signs that you need a little bit more support? Yeah, that's great. And I have patients who get this from their OBGYNs and their providers. Yeah. You know, they feel uncomfortable because there isn't always a black and white answer. And so the doctors sometimes don't really give them the support that they need or they don't find it from their family. So there's a wonderful patient-run resource called resolve.org that there are support groups. There's um, 
you know, individuals that will reach out and support people. Sometimes um, hospitals and churches will have support groups for people who have later losses or who've lost children. You don't necessarily have to be a member of the community like that church or mm-hmm. follow a certain faith. It's just that's the location yeah, of the yeah, support yeah. group. Yeah. Um, and, and, and like what when the support besides a support group is there i mean do you see sometimes that this is a triggering event for treatment needed for anxiety or treatment needed for depression or like i mean it seems to me in my life experience in knowing folks it has been i'm just wondering in your professional experience do you see that a lot i mean oh yeah i equate it to ptsd Um, Sometimes people are so full of shame and it's so traumatic. Even just the physical part of going through a miscarriage can be very Mm -hmm. traumatic that sometimes people stop trying, Mm -hmm. not because they don't want to be a parent, but because it's so painful. Uh, To go through getting Mm -hmm. pregnant, being hopeful, and Mm -hmm. having loss again. Yeah. Yeah, that is a a tumultuous season. Yeah. So part of my whole job is providing that hope. Again, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and reminding women that it is so wonderful that they are getting through all those hurdles for even mm-hmm. getting pregnant. Mm-hmm. There's a fine line. You don't blow them off and say, oh, you're getting pregnant. You're going to be fine, honey, and pat them on the head, right? Mm-hmm. But you can say, listen, you know, egg and sperm liked each other. Implantation happened. The cells started dividing. And then it just wasn't a perfect embryo. Mm -hmm. I know your heart is still breaking and, you know, this is rationalizing with your head. But all of those hurdles that you got over, really, if you just try again, there is a really high chance everything's going to be okay. I have treatment options. But most of the time, these people go on to have their families if they can just keep trying. Yeah, because of that 80% number even that you've said of most people who want to be pregnant and try for a year will get pregnant. Yeah. Um, And then with loss, you know, if you've had, you know, if you've had one miscarriage or clinical miscarriage or pregnancy Mm -hmm. loss, is the recurrent rate higher for those women? So is there an indicator there or? Not necessarily. So there's a study that was published in the 1990s by Brigham et al. And we'll never have a study like this again. It was 250 women that just had losses and maybe mm-hmm. multiple of them. And they didn't, the providers didn't do any intervention, no testing, no aspirin, no progesterone, no IVF, no nothing. Mm-hmm. They just followed them and sort of saw what happened over time. And in that cohort, if the women were 40 years old and had had five miscarriages, the chance that the very next pregnancy, that sixth pregnancy, was a baby was 50%. 50? Mm-hmm. That's so hopeful. I know. <laughs> it's so I, nice. I put that That was not the and, number I was expecting I you to say. It's I know. so hopeful. It was like a, like a flower just came out of the ground. <laughs> like literally like boing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So there are things that we can do and you know, support is a huge piece because if yeah. someone stops trying because they don't feel supported, then we have failed them. Yeah. You know, and really, if it is a chromosomal issue, of course we can do IVF because that's a way to screen embryos mm-hmm. for chromosomal issues before you conceive. Mm-hmm. But it's an option. It doesn't mean that that's what everyone has to yeah. do. It's certainly complicated, certainly expensive. Yeah. And I just remind them that they still can have their family. Yeah. It's so sunny in here now. <laughs> this is so nice. We've been talking about this hard topic, but yeah. Oh, well, I think that's that data 
is helpful, right? It's not empty and vacant hope. It's really thoughtful, like don't give up. Get yourself supported. Tell people if that helps you. It might be a small amount of people. It might be a group of strangers. It might be your family and friends. Um, but then seek support from an expert and specialist who can help guide you. And then look at those odds that are so great. Women at age 40, after five pregnancy losses, the 50% chance that the sixth pregnancy will will work. Mm-hmm. Make baby. Mm-hmm. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> so good. Um, do you have anything else that we should share? No, I'm just so happy to be here. No, I'm, I'm so sure glad that, that you did. You. Well, um, grab her book, Not Broken, An Approachable Guide to Miscarriage and Recurrent Pregnancy Loss. Follow you on Instagram. What's your handle? Dr. Laura Shaheen. Yeah, just, just her name that I can't pronounce very well, Dr. <laughs> Laura Shaheen, although I've learned. But she's on Twitter and she's on Facebook as well. And she's done lots of and lots of media as well. And we'll put something up on SeattleMama.com as well. Um, I feel really hopeful that we live in this amazing time, that the advancement of understanding fertility and endocrinology and the advancement of technology and the ongoing millennial uh, millennia of support around women and men who are trying to have children is kind of better than ever before. And ending on those beautiful optimistic statistics from the, the cohort back in the 1990s um, made me feel really great. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. The reality, of course, is that parenting is such a high-stakes job. But the good news is, even when you're still just trying, you've got this. Thanks for listening. The Seattle Mama Doc Podcast episodes air every single week. I'm always interested in hearing what you have to say, what was helpful, and what you want to learn more about. Reach out to me on Twitter at Seattle Mama Doc, on my Facebook, Seattle Mama Doc, or at SeattleMamaDoc.com. Tell me what you want to learn. Tell me if you want to join me and point me to experts you'd love to learn more from. 